You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual character, Donnie Spiker. How's everyone doing? Good afternoon. Hey. On the show this week, we'll review the Coke Series race at Las Vegas. We'll try to interpret an obscure new content tease from iRacing. We'll learn the best way to realistically set up your FOV. And did we find the single screen monitor that will really take the place of triples? And remember, you can follow along with us on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all the great topics and products we'll discuss by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting show notes. So let's hope to see you there. series this week is las vegas and the michael conti retirement tour uh 2023 continues as he earns his second e-nascar victory of the year at las vegas yeah i caught the end of this i tend to catch if it's live i tend to catch the end of it um and it was good to see him win i'm curious mike do you know how old he is because i noticed he had some crow's feet going in the corner of his eyes but like you said he's retiring at the end of this year so i'm I'm kind of actually curious how, because they said 10 years he's been in the series. Yeah, he started as a teen um, at 15 or 14, I believe. And so, yeah, he, he's like mid-20s, I believe. So, You know, some of the other pro drivers you'll see, um, either NIS or A-Opens or just other disciplines, do you ever see Michael Conti in any uh, servers? Not usually. Sometimes uh, you'll catch him the night before the Coke race in an A open or A fixed, you know, at the 9 p.m. Eastern. But you got to be in top split to see him. Right. Yeah, so I'm curious. After he retires from this series and hopefully has a good season to come, and I think this will guarantee him in the playoffs with the two victories, um, that we see him still continue on in some kind of series on here. Well, it kind of begs the question, I mean, you know, he's almost a shoe in for the top four, maybe. Uh, but, you know, what if he wins it? What if he goes out as the champion? I mean, that is really making a statement. Um, it, I mean, it can't be better, right? Now, that would be the honestly the best way to go. Hopefully, uh, I don't want to say hopefully, but you hope to yourself that if that does happen, it doesn't entice you to come back and go through the go through the the torture again. But, you know, going out on top can never be a bad thing. Yeah, other winners this season um, besides Conti is Bobby Zielinski, uh Tucker Minter, uh, and then Steven Wilson, and, of course, Casey Kerwin. All right, let's talk about the teaser of the week. And we were talking before the show about what this might be, and it's kind of hard to tell, but it's like an overhead view of the track as a card races through the view. Yeah, I don't know what car it is. The car, they might, some people are speculating it it could be the Aston Martin or it's the new uh, Ford uh, GT. Um, But the track looks like Willow Springs. And I'm excited for that. You know, when I first saw the glimpse, I immediately just thought Willow Springs. I drive by this track. And granted, you're only looking at a corner from an aerial view. But I drive by it about once a week. 
And then I was surprised reading through the comments about how actually popular the track was and everybody else was assuming that it might be Willow Springs as well. So it'll be fun. It's kind of an odd track. It's a lot of sweeping curves. It doesn't really have grandstands. Um, it's not a spectator track for the most part. I don't know if there's a lot of actual competition that happens out here other than club racing and, uh, and test, test, um, testing out cars, but I could be wrong in that aspect. They, they might hold some kind of championships out there, but I haven't really, there's not a whole lot of grandstand opportunities. I see. Yeah. I've never really heard of it before. Um, it's a pavement road course, of course. Yeah, there's four tracks. Actually, there is a drag strip as well. So you'll have two ovals. One might have a dirt oval with it. Um, there's two road courses and then um, a smaller, like, drifting type or, or a cart track. I'm sorry. But um, our friend Steve Thompson has actually driven on this track. This is a track you could you can take your personal car out onto on, on certain days as well. So whenever we drive out there, you always see uh, a lot of nice cars making a right turn, heading up to up the hill. And the way this track's built, it's built onto the side of uh, it's a North Southern facing hillside in the middle of the desert. Uh, so it's the, the scenery is kind of nice and um, has a lot of uh, elevation to it as well. How about a digital dislocation? The UCOG was on Twitter is what his handle is, was streaming when an accident put him in an uncomfortable situation. We got a video. Yeah, so Mike, he's saying his force feedback was set to 27%, and he has safety features enabled, but it was just crazy fluke accident. So he's saying 27%. I think people get it, um, can misinterpret the force feedback percentage number, because when you say you run 100%, um, it's probably more in lines with what this guy is, but so is he not saying the right percentage in this case? I don't know, because uh, you can click that and it'll change the Newton meters. And so if you put in the SIM option, the hey, I have a 25 Newton meter base, and then in the SimiCube software and the profile, you turn that slider to 100%. And if you're in the game and you hit F9 and hit the auto button, I consider that 100% whatever that is. Yeah. And that's pretty much how I do it. You can see it's around the minute. Uh, the 16 second mark is when the wheel goes wild and he goes into a little bit of panic and he screams about his hand. So fortunately this has not happened to me yet. I've got my uh, kill switch right by my shin. So all I have to do is kick to the right and that thing is um, turned up or reach down if I have to, but yeah, haven't uh, broke a hand or a finger yet. So, he, this is like under yellow or perhaps at the initial start. It's not under green conditions. And he's talking to his stream or whatever he's doing. And he's just, he's right behind the cars in front of him, but somebody behind him, if you watch the mirror, isn't paying attention obviously and comes flying in and basically plows into him when he wasn't re looking, you know, and he wasn't ready. And so you always want to, you know, not entwine your fingers into the wheel unless you're literally looking at all times. You have to be kind of careful about that. Uh, I want to bring up a quick story. I was in a practice before the race today. I actually showed up early. I ran a lap or two and I pulled down on the backstretch and I wanted I just watch the car. So I turned sideways on the backstretch. I watched two, three, four cars come by. And then all of a sudden, some car comes flying into me. 
while I was sitting there parked and my, you know, of course my wheel goes crazy, but I'm smart enough to know, don't lock my thumb into that spoke, you know, uh, no matter what. So yeah, that makes perfect sense on my oval wheel. I don't really put my thumb inside. It kind of rests on top, but I'm, I put my Gomez wheel on right now just to see what I do. And my thumb, your thumb actually goes in the hole, uh, the thumb hole and it wraps around the back. So I can imagine like this guy is just hanging out, ready to take that hairpin turn one. It looks like you're right, Mike, that they're coming to the green flag and he's just minding his own business, getting taken out by whoever from behind. And it's, it's a pretty violent impact. Yeah, and we've seen these kind of situations when like somebody's blinking out and like they can't see anybody and they're like driving through people and and like that can be, have the same effect too like you know you're not ready for it you're you're about ready to go green you're not really looking in the mirror but you you need to keep your eye on it yeah this is going to take some practice using that wheel to make sure uh when i'm in a crowd of cars that i get my my thumbs out from from that hole and placed on top of the wheel. Hey, Donnie, tell us about the news flash for, about IMSA. Yeah, sports car 365. The LMP3 class will be eliminated from the IMSA WeatherTech Championship at the end of the season, leaving the entry-level prototypes exclusively for the VP Racing Sports Car Challenge beginning in 2024. So what I read from here is, and I think iRacing were getting the LMP3, or is it the LMP2? They teased one of them, but so this will still continue on. The LMP3 class will continue on, but it looks like it's through one of their support series, kind of uh, similar to the the Michelin Pilot series for the GT4s. Uh, so the the car will will live on, but it's not going to run in the in the top series. Yeah, and obviously iRacing will follow suit to um, you know, and and probably adjust these cars into different series. Now, would you drive this car more often if we had a diff different levels for it? I, for me, uh, layman, I only know of the the top series that we have for the the LMP ones and and the hypercars. So we don't really have a feeder series for this type of discipline. You know, I might uh, is the answer because the IMSA races are long for somebody like me who dabbles in the road, um, and I like the shorter uh, sprint races. Like for example, the Ferrari Challenge is like a perfect length race. You know, I don't know if it's 20 minutes or 15 or something, but that's fine. I, I don't need to go an hour and a half, you know? Yeah, the GT4 races I run are 30 minutes. They used to be 15 minutes when it was just a BMW series, but since they developed the GT4 series, I believe it's 30 minutes now. And it's not too bad. Sometimes it feels long when you think you're having a great run, but the guys from, from behind are catching and you're waiting for that race to be over. But yeah, 30 minutes is almost a, a good amount of time. All right. To the forums, we found in the Gen 4 stock car, a post from Andrew Benaw. He asked, hey, can we please bring back the 2003 Cup Series rules for the Gen 4 Series? Lap cars to the inside, no lucky dog, and racing back to the yellow. So this original post was posted back in March, um, but a reader Still relevant. Yeah, a reader Vern, he responds by saying they can do the first two, but racing back is not possible. And I read that down through the comments as well that racing back to the yellow isn't possible. Now, is it not possible because it has something to do with eye racing, and they would have to fix something completely different for us to do that? I don't know. I I think anything's possible. It's software, right? So, uh, yeah, I don't know why he would say that, but 
and, and, and you're right, what is the reasoning behind it? I think if they wanted to, they could make it happen. But, you know, is it like a big code rewrite? And it would just be for one car, you know? And it goes, uh, it was last updated, what's today, the 4th? It was last updated yesterday. Last comment actually was by uh, Vern. Uh, but yeah, there's a good thread through it. You know, this series, and we, we talk about it every week, um, it was a it was a happen chance series. It just, it got leaked. People got excited. They created a series. We're having fun with it. Once they move forward with it and actually create what they want to create, I think you'll get as close to the rules to the time period that you can. Um, but other than that, yeah, I can see definitely at least those first two happening and racing back to the yellow. I mean, we'll see if they can make that happen. Yeah. I've had fun with this series. I've run at least once a week. Um, and um, I feel like it separates the men from the boys. Um, the people that run this uh, are really drivers. They're really racers. Cause you really got to drive this car. You, you got to be up on the wheel. Uh, there's no sitting back and you know, there's plenty of power. It's pretty fun. I, like I said, I can't wait for uh, them to refine it. Yeah, this week they were at Atlanta, and even taking a green flag on fresh tires, you had to be careful. You couldn't just mash it down and go. Uh, you were going to spin out. We had a guy right hook right into the outside wall on the on the green start and took about half the leaders out. So, And then where, worn tires, it's even worse. But it's a fun car. It's completely different than what uh, we're used to in that ARCA car. So, yeah, it'll just get better. Let's not rescan this one. Stephen Durham tweeted a picture of the auto road at Mount Washington, which has suffered some serious damage. All right. And so, whoa. I'm, I'm looking at the pictures. I saw this tweet earlier in the week, and I honestly didn't put two and two together. I did not read the Mount Washington part. But I do have a question. Um, where does this road lead to in real life? Is this an actual public road that leads to a destination? Well, yeah, it leads to the top of the mountain. That's okay. the destination. All right. So there's a small <laughs> chance that they would repair this, I'd imagine. But this is a mountainside given away and then the road going with it. So there, I mean, there's a good chance that this never gets repaired. Yeah. There's like huge fissure cracks like that are very wide where the whole bottom, you know, sinkhole style that gave out. Um, and they look to be very, very deep. Um, and this is the part of the track up high on the mountain above the tree line pretty much uh you know if you're going down the if the mountain just past the first tight turn it, it's fairly straight it's kind of s's along the edge that's where all the damage is and there's no way they could race on this and, and they'll probably maybe they will repair it because they do uh once a year race on it uh you know travis pastrana and his subaru they go up there and try to do a a, a time challenge yeah, maybe the organizers might have to chip in and, and help pay for it. Who knows what the local governing body will do with it. But luckily, iRacing got it when they did. And uh, now that track is preserved in its pre-2023 weather predicament. Well, if I recall, it wasn't too long ago, a few months ago in the winter, when the uh, they had the big uh, blizzard kind of thing in the northeast uh new york buffalo uh, this is up north of there 
And I think the wind chill and the winds and stuff at the top of the mountain were 115 below or something. It was some kind of record. Yeah, it's crazy. But you think about temperatures like that, what does it do to the concrete and asphalt and roads and and then the thawing of the ice and that kind of stuff and refreezing? Yeah. Hey, Donnie, how about pit stop trouble? Yeah, this happens to us probably quite a bit, but uh, streamer Matt Malone showed on his YouTube channel the proper way not to hit your pit stop. And then, like you said, we've all done this pit stop shuffle before, but it's basically, it looks like he's in a, not, it's not a next gen. It's some kind of, might be the Xfinity car on the NASCAR side. He's coming into a pit stop. Yeah. And uh, completely misses his mark, slides right through his pit box. Probably took out at least two or three of his crew members. Um, But yeah, that'll happen if you're not paying attention to your own worn tires. Well, the worst is when you back up and you're too far to the left, and then you have to get to the right, but then you're too far forward. <laughs> yep, and that's exactly what he does here. Rookie mistake, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, tell you a rookie mistake. Today I raced, and my stupid internet disconnected. The second time I've been disconnected since I've changed internet companies. Really frustrated with that. Lost five laps. Um but when I get back connected and I hook back into the server and I enter the car, the first thing it does is start changing tires. So the lesson learned is if you start getting disconnected, clear your tires real quick <laughs> before you get disconnected, I think. Yeah. No, that would be, I mean, I don't know if I'm thinking that quick, to be honest, but somebody will. I was, I was curious. I was thinking about tires the other day. Um, would it be nice if when you take your t- set of tires off, you can save them and they don't delete forever. Like if you start a race with five sets and right. you go in and change, it'd be nice to be able to keep those tires on. Cause you might need them at the end of the race. You might only have a 10 lap run on them. Could change up the strategy a little bit, uh, but it'd be nice. So that seems to be not a, in my mind, not a hard uh, fix to make. Yeah. I would really like that. In my situation today, it would have been great because the tires that they took off were perfectly new. I mean, I didn't need to take tires. It totally messed me up for the rest of the race because I was, I didn't have as many tires as everybody else. So it sucked. And that can inadvertently fix that glitch is uh, you'll just have your set of tires as an option later. Okay. We have the teaser part two. Now the question is, is this the same track? Uh, absolutely. So this would be what, uh, the surrounding area of Willow Springs looks like. Um, now where these two particular people are sitting, I'm not sure if they're sitting unless the track is directly below where they're at. And that's another hillside adjacent to the track. But, um, this is what the landscape around Willow Springs looks like. I mean, to a T. So, I mean, it kind of helps narrow it down, I guess, unless there's somewhere on this Western half of the United States where there's another track that exists that I already seen with scan, that has this scenery. Oh, uh, they show the rain, mountain range in the background, the line of it. So I'm sure people could figure it out. Um, maybe a reverse Google image search, but uh, in the comments, the majority of the people guessing are saying Willow. So I think you're on to it. Now, it, the tease is it says the new Dune trailer looks great. And it's got two people sitting on the top of a Dune kind of like the movie dune and so i guess it's just a, a take off of that or uh you know yeah i haven't watched any of the movies yet and my wife has and read the books but um yeah i mean 
this looks like what I would think Dune would be, I guess, for not watching or knowing anything about it. All right, let's talk about something else to watch. The official trailer of Gran Turismo has come out. And um, it's interesting. I, I At first, I didn't watch it. I, I, I watched it later. And it's really neat because it's got the classic story of uh, the guy's a sim racer and he's really fast and they have a tournament and he gets involved in the tournament and he, he, you know, he makes the cut and then they send him to like a boot camp academy to be trained as a real driver. And next thing you know, they're throwing him in real cars, real race cars and and then he's clashing with the real drivers because they think he's a fake driver. You know, it's, the, it's got the classic, uh, you know, sim racer to real racer story. Yeah, when I first saw it, I don't remember where, when it was, maybe a couple weeks ago. I thought it was fake, to be honest, until I saw the guy from um, the sheriff from Stranger Things. And I was like, ah, I don't know if they're going to spend that kind of money to make a fake trailer. But, um, you know, depending on where we can see this at, I don't know if it's a theatrical release. I'll, I'll give it a go if it hits one of the streaming platforms that I subscribe to, but yeah, it's, you know, just like we had that sim racer movie, not too long ago, another, uh, another movie in the realm, I guess, for lack of a better term. I would like to see some more iRacing racing specific stuff, of course, but yeah, um, but still it gets the sim racing out there. It makes it more mainstream, more people understand what it is. Yeah. Maybe when thing. Tom Cruise finally gets around to making days of thunder too, cause we'd all love it. There could be a segment of like uh, the pro iRacing racing series that they did a couple years back. I don't know. So I'll digress a little bit. There was an announcement today that, it was a Brian Herta, not Brian Herta, Colton Herta, saying that uh, Brad Pitt got his super license before he did because apparently Brad Pitt is shooting a movie uh, about Formula One, and they've added a 13th team for this weekend and each weekend going forward to the Formula One championship, and Brad Pitt is the driver. And so during the real race, like as they're – under the pace car, Brad Pitt will be out there with the other drivers and they'll be filming. I would think Brad Pitt would be kind of old to be a Formula One driver. That'd be my, you know, he's a little old. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. That's the way they did it with uh, Days of Thunder, you know, 30 something years ago. They had the real cars on the track while the race was going on, filming them, which I can't imagine happening today. Maybe they would. I don't know. I don't remember Talladega Nights how that was filmed, if they filmed it during an actual race. I guess you have to for some of the sequences but man can you imagine filming a baseball movie and during the baseball game you're just going to have off in right field the the movie being shot i don't know it just seems kind of crazy but i guess with racing it's so big of a track i guess it lends the opportunity hey in the middle of the race you have an extended caution so you can get a few shots or something (laughs) all right speaking of shots tell us about correct fov yeah so daniel morad puts out some awesome videos um, in the next of a series of instructional videos from pro driver, Daniel Morad, he shows you the settings for proper, uh, FOV setup. So this will be a good one to watch. So I know you go, you talk a lot about FOV, Mike. Um, there's been times where I've gone in these rabbit holes and I've watched these videos and sometimes they want me to change. They go into the camera tools or they want me to go in the app. I and I, and at that point I started getting a little nervous and I, and I, I back out of it, but here he'll talk about, um, mounting hardware, monitoring position, the software and end game settings and iRacing specific in here. 
Uh, camera, tool, camera tool settings, like I mentioned, you can save different camera tool settings for the specific car you're in. And then, um, for, so yeah, so it's a good video to go through. It's about 20 minutes long. So if you have an FOV fear or an FOV, you're, you're challenged with that, uh, this would be a great video to watch. Oh yeah, absolutely. It'll give you some insight. And I agree with you, Donnie, about I don't want to monkey with the control F12 settings. Uh, you know, it, that's too much. I mean, I think if you if you do the basics that he describes, uh, uh, positioning the monitors in the right position, vertically, your your eyeball is the middle of the monitor. Okay, that's so important. And then, you know, to, to put in the distances, to, to get the angles right, and that's it. And that's all I think that needs to be done. Now, now he goes into a, another level. I mean, he takes it to, okay, we're going to hit control F12. We're going to type in these numbers and these little uh, things, and it's going to tweak the where I'm sitting. So I'm a little bit higher and I'm a little bit to the left because in my real car, you know, I want the dash to be lined up just right. And, and so he goes in there and he tweaks it, and then you can hit save, like you said, per car. Well, see, here's the thing, like he can do that because he sits in a real car. Like for us, we don't sit in a, a you know, next gen stock car or any of the cars really for the, that matter. But I try like each of my cars are different under the F9 box. I'll set the driver height and FOV there for what I kind of feel like that specific car is. And they, they don't, I have to actually keep a chart written down on which car I'm in. Because uh, like the the USF and the Indy Pro is completely different for me than than the stock cars are. So I have to have make sure the mirrors look good. And if your FOV is off in my mind and you're driving, I almost feel queasy. So I have to get it to the part where I don't feel queasy and then I'm, then I'm good to go. But um, yeah, I think FOV can be a preference depending, you know, within some kind of spec. But this is a good video if you want to dive deep into it. Uh, but I'm with you, Mike. I've got my degree set. I've got my monitors right in the middle. It's just behind my or above my wheelbase. And I go from there and I just adjust a little bit to each car that I go into. Yeah, see, I'm not adjusting at all. I, I set it and forget it. So when you hit F9, what is your driver FOV? Uh, yeah, I don't have it in front of me. I don't know. I think it's like 154. Okay. Yeah, so some will be different. Like I usually range 15 degrees based on whatever car I'm in. Just um, the forward and back. The driver height usually is the same from most cars. Um, and I try to line it up. If I'll, I'll use my arrow tool to look over to the guy to my right. And if my eyes are kind of level with his, then, you know, the animated character inside the car, I kind of go from there and make sure my horizon line is in the middle of the screen. But you know, I could be way off. Who knows? It's just uh, a lot of it's personal preference, I believe. Well, well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, Daniel talks about 179 is a good number because that completely fills your peripheral because a 180 is half of a circle. So 179 is basically 180. So that's ideal. Now, should you always run it that way? Not necessarily. Like my on mine, I backed mine off. I didn't want that extreme angle. Um, you know, so, and, and, and like, I don't have that really fancy, you know, arm, the swings open my monitor like Donnie has, uh, which is so cool. I mean, if I had that, I might do it differently, but uh, my monitors are static and I want them more like a 45 degree kind of look uh, instead of the real, you know, 
intense uh, angle. So I kind of set the monitors where I want them, and then I just let, did the math in the sim and let it pick the angle and go with it. Have you broken your rig down yet? No, but I guess we can talk about that now. I finally figured out what happened with my uh, alignment problems. You know, I've been talking on the show for a long time about alignment, and it just felt like the the, the steering shaft was it was crooked or something. And, and in fact, Donnie, I think I even asked you, and you were here to look at it and and put your eyeballs. And you told me you couldn't tell anything really. And, but I've been slowly moving the seat to the left, to the left, to the left to compensate. Well, this week I was standing behind it and I had my head down and I looked up and it looked like the whole thing was tilted to the left, like it had a, a flat tire. And like, I started like looking closer, the whole rig. And I started looking closer and the main upright that hold everything, they go vertical. The left one is an inch lower than it should be. So when I reach down with my finger and touch it, it's sticking down an inch farther while the other one's flush with the bottom of the rig. So either the weight has shifted it down or the, the bolts have come loose or something. And it's not just like there's a bolt I can reach right here. The bolts that are mounted to the mounter against the actual rig base so i'm gonna have to take the entire thing apart to fix it thing i try to go through every build week and just tighten tighten anything that might be loose uh clean up the pedals a bit but yeah it's crazy an inches an inch is quite a bit um you know it's weird that you say that because i came from the wooden monitor stand in my pvc uh rig to this aluminum 8020 and everything's perfect everything is measured right and the seats right uh the wheelbase is in there right and when i sat down for the first time it just didn't feel right like something something was off so i don't know if it's like something in your body could be different the way uh, your muscles are developed uh could position you differently as well yeah i don't know i mean uh, yeah it felt natural to me to keep moving that seat to the left uh because the whole thing was tilted to the left i think um but I intend to, uh, at some point, take the thing apart and fix it and um, push the seat back in the middle and just kind of start over. The question is when. I'm leading in the points. And so I don't want to, like, take this thing apart and then have something go wrong and I don't can't get it back together and don't race. So I was thinking there's one off week in NASCAR NIS it's father's day weekend so i was thinking i'll do it that weekend perhaps or that week or i'll just wait till the whole season's over and i'll just do it in the off season yeah, i mean i've have. been racing it this way for a long time and it, i mean it still works it just is not ideal you buying chicago well I'll ha of course i'll have to buy chicago because i need the points okay i was gonna say there's another week for you there because if that's uh there's like that rumor going around that it, this might be a one and done but yeah, the Father's Day weekend would be a good weekend because yeah, they're not running, and you'll have a little bit of time, I guess. Yeah, um, I don't know. I might just wait till the end of the season before I fix it and just tear the whole thing down. Um, I don't know. We'll find out. But for now, I'm leaving it alone because I'm more worried about the points and uh, and just keep on racing. All right, the World of Outlaws Late Models Pro Season qualifying begins this week. May 1st, just letting uh, you guys know that one more time. If uh, 
All you have to do is go run the official series and do well in the points. I haven't ran a late model yet. I've I've run the midgets and the street stock, but uh, man, you know what? I wish there was more time in life. I would give a lot more things opportunities, but every time I see something cool, I want to try it, but I just time, time sucks. Yeah. And then it's so hard to choose. I mean, with the new AI, I'm getting used to it. I mean, I always go, go racing series list NIS. There it is. So it takes me three clicks to get there. Another couple clicks to, to get into the race, but, but I have other series listed there that I might race that I've marked as favorite. And so it kind of gives me an idea every time I open it up. Oh, maybe I'll run that. It's starting in three minutes or something, you know? Yeah. With my, my time slot, I was getting back into the short tracks the last couple of weeks and running the cars tour and the late models. And by the time nine 30 on my time rolls around, I might get lucky to get one split in and some, most of the times they don't go official. So it's kind of sucks. But uh, maybe I have to run more daytime stuff on the weekend, maybe sneak in a race or something. All right, podcast housekeeping. Leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for other listeners to find us. Mention the podcast to your fellow drivers so they don't miss out. We do appreciate it. Join us in the discussion on Discord and, of course, our website where you can see the show notes. And we're in regular rotation at the Performance Motorsports Network. Fantasy, Donnie. All right. The iRacers Lounge Podcast League. The NASCAR series was at Dover this past weekend. And winning for the league this week was Al AJ L14. Is, I don't know if that's probably pronounced it. Mason Racing, Cletus 45, Gujo 24X, and Roop Racing 77. Uh, Team Tafosi had myself at sixth and Brian McCubbin at eighth for the top ones for the team. And leading the overall league standings is, is still Mason Racing. I think All top right. Tafosi guy overall, if I scroll, I guess is myself at 12th. So. We got some of us are climbing back up the list, but the Mason Racing fella, he's uh, he keeps gaining points on me every week, regardless of how well I do. Yeah, I've kind of fallen in the fantasy for sure. I'm not watching the race live usually, so I'm not changing people out and that kind of thing. And that's the hard part. If you're not if you're working and you're not watching the race live, it's it's it is what it is at that point. Have you been following um, Denny Hamlin's proposal of that? mid-season bracket challenge yeah i heard i heard uh, dale jr talking it up today and it sounds like fun it's only a few weeks and there's some pretty decent prizes yeah i mean if you actually do it officially through them it's pretty simple i did i filled out my bracket it took less than two minutes a lot of it is you know it is what it is you're guessing the entire tournament at the beginning i guess that's the point of it but i don't know it, it seems i always thought um Maybe they could do something fun within a season for a change officially during the NASCAR season. So maybe this could lead to something where um, that long summer stretch, maybe even do two different uh, brackets throughout the summer and um, just give us something else we could be looking for within the race as well. Like make it part of fantasy. Like you get bonus points if you do well in the bracket challenge or something. Yeah, that'd be good. All right. And then, so 
I guess everyone's talking about Ross Chastain all the time, you know. It's it's just an easy per well, I guess he does do a lot of dumb crap, but he he'll just keep getting it until he stops doing it, I guess. But a part of me wants him to just fully embrace it, stop being the nice guy afterwards. And uh, cause none of these guys are going to do anything. And I've I stood next to Chastain in Vegas this year, and he's not a very big guy. He's probably five ten, um, and they're all thin, but everybody's proven that they're not willing to do anything to him or, you know, confront him after a race. So he just needs to embrace it. I think his popularity would skyrocket if he came out of the car one day and said, I don't give a crap. This is how I race, but uh, right. he keeps apologizing in such a weird way afterwards. I'm like, no, just you are who you are. Own it. Oh, yeah. It's always awkward. Always awkward. <laughs> but I, He but reminds me of a certain kind of driver, though, that we see in NIS that is kind of the guy causing cautions and stuff. And we, we know the type. I know we're not allowed to, you know, we don't care about Rick Ware racing every every week, but this week we did. Um, for whatever reason, but it just felt like that car looked slow and probably could have got out of the way. I don't know. That was just my, my two cents on that. But, and then he's got a fast car and he's trying to get to the front and, you know, he made a mistake, but yeah, he's not gonna, he's not gonna change. I don't see that happening. He's just got to change his persona, make it a thing. But, but my, I think to my point is we're in our NIS race, Donnie in our split we know which guy to watch for we talk about it before the race starts we 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 name off a little list okay here's who's in my race that i need to watch for and i tell you what if you're a good driver you're watching your relative you're looking in the mirror and if you see this guy coming near you you get out of the freaking way and and that's how the rick ware car should be as far as the one car and Ross Chastain is is involved. I mean, you, you should just like get out of the way, you know, <laughs> I and can't believe you just going to, you know, go slow in front of this guy, you know, and something they have that we don't, I mean, some of us do, but spotters, actual real time, real good spotters. And what's that guy doing up there? Right. Oh, here comes Chastain. Watch out, you know, get low, stay right in front of them and slow down. <laughs> yeah sometimes you make your own luck and and i think that was pretty much what that was but because because everyone knows i mean at this point chastain is a reputation you've been chastained it's a verb actually and he needs to come out of the car and say that and and start using that term to his advantage yep. yeah <laughs> and i i can't find myself not or or i can't find myself to dislike the guy like i i don't know we haven't had somebody who apparently just doesn't give a crap and for a long, I guess Kyle Busch in a way, but Kyle Busch also played up to it and you know, that led him to be popular in, in a certain way. So yeah, it'd be nice. He's obviously on a team. He's got a contract. He's not going nowhere. He's running up front every week. He's leading the points. He just got, he has to, maybe his sponsors are kind of, you know, don't really want to see him go full villain, but heck man, we need, we need a, we need a new villain. Metro Ford of Chicago delivers to you. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, we have over 160 vehicles in stock. Living large or strapped for cash? Good credit? No credit? Doesn't matter. It's all good at Metro Ford of Chicago. We offer easy financing and guaranteed credit approval. Visit eMetroFord.com to view our complete inventory and tell them Patrick sent you. Metro Ford of Chicago, serving Chicagoland and beyond for over 35 years. Ah, 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 ah!
Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. Hardware software presented by Metro Ford. We have Cube Controls F Core Review. Will Ford at Boosted Media and Dan Suzuki both review the new Cube Controls entry level F Core Formula Wheel on YouTube this week? Yeah, I like the price for it uh, too, for being the the maker Cube Controls. It's a um, what would it relate to us? It's saying four sixty nine euros plus their their tax version, but that's yeah, I mean it, it's a nice wheel. Um, they make most of their stuff pretty good. We we like their pedals, so. I don't know, Mike, did they like them? They did. I mean, the 469 is a little misleading because there's there's step-ups that you buy for the the uh, cl- clutch package you can add to the back. I forget how much. I think it's 75 more. Um, and so after all that, you know, and you compare it to the next one up, you know, it's pretty close you know, to a lot of other wheels in a similar price uh, point. So I don't know. I think they kind of gave the impression it was higher than it should be, Um, or maybe those clutch, uh, those add-ons should be included in the 469 price. And if it was, it'd probably be the the right, right at the right spot, probably. And and you're right. If for an entry wheel, I mean, yeah, that that's more of a better price point if you add all those options with it. But because if you get up to the eight nine hundred dollars, and I, that's obviously not an entry wheel, that's just an entry wheel to the expensive wheels. And if you're already paying nine hundred dollars, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if you compare this to what I have, the F Pro, I mean, the big difference is the the LED lighting or the lights, the colors. Um, I can all my buttons light up and I can make them different colors and do all this stuff. This one doesn't really have that. And so it's more of a, a normal button. The buttons are already colored. They're not like lit up. Um, but it's got that rigidity. The other big difference that will from boosted media pointed out is the grips. Uh, the grips on this one are the kind of sticky kind. He calls them where your hand kind of, you know, you sweat a little and you kind of stick to it a little bit and it picks up hair and lint very easily is the way how he describes it. While the F pro I have is more of a harder plastic feel, but still has a spongy uh, component to it. Um, and he likes that one more because it doesn't attract the dirt and, and that kind of thing. And it feels better out to the skin. Yeah. It's funny you say that because earlier when we were talking about um, the force feedback guy breaking his thumb or dislocating it, I put my wheel on and I've got those grips that he's talking about and it does collect whatever your uh, wheel is next to. So mine for now sits on the carpet next to my rig and I just got carpet fibers on it and whatever dust particles floating through the earth that time. Yeah. So that was one drawback he he didn't like about it, but um you know, Cube Controls has great wheels, and uh, this is certainly one of them. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you have a hard choice now if you're trying to buy, compare between this one and this next one up, the F-Pro. For me, it was like, I think in my decision point, it was more of, man, I got to talk myself out of buying one with a screen because that's just over the top. I was like, I'm never going to look at the screen while I'm driving and so I, I purposely bought one without a screen just because I didn't want to be over the top and like Donnie went over the top. 
Oh, I didn't get a screen. I did not. I, I, I oh, you did. The, I got the one without the screen. But uh, oh, okay. we're going to so talk about one later thing. on. Okay. There's one later on we're going to talk about that I think is the best looking wheel with the screen, but they go through some kind of damage test, but that's further down the script. All right, moving on, I'll take the Octane Design V2 Shifter. Errol Velosi on YouTube reviews on his channel, the Octane Designs SEQ Magnetic Sequential Shifter V2. Yeah, I feel like yep. we talked about this one, but I must have watched the YouTube video on my own because it just popped up on my through my algorithm and I watched it and I instantly liked it. The company's out of Ohio, I believe. So it's stateside, North American side. And um, yeah, I like it. And the price for me isn't the worst thing in the world. They also come with a smaller version of this um, for 179. I believe this one's like 280. 289. Yeah, 289. But I uh, know the reviewer liked it. Let's see who, I'm trying to think of who that, Oh, Aero Veloz, Veloz. Yeah, pretty cool. It's magnetic. Uh, I, I believe yours is magnetic as well. The components inside, Mike, that gives it that tactile that that's, doesn't have a popping sound, but you feel something and you hear something when you use your shifter. And I, I think it's the part. Yeah, I think there's magnets as part of the me mechanism, but I don't know exactly how it works. But yeah, I like the design I'll, of this one pretty good. Yeah, I was going to say it's sleek, it's thin. Um, it looks like you could mount it right on a 80-20 rail, um, you know, single. Um, the top of it, where the actual handle is, is, you know, a machined black metal with lots of grooves and that kind of thing. So it's got that heft to it. It's over 2.3 pounds. Um, so, yeah, I, I really like this. Um, I, I'm curious about the how does it feel, though? To, like, like, does it really feel like you're shifting gears? Yeah, that's a that's a good point. It does come in the I don't know if it's anodized, but it comes in a black version and then a raw metal version. But um, yeah, I like it. And then what would you add to this buttons? But yeah, you're right. Uh, it's almost worth the price for me. Uh, this Fanatec shifter makes me nervous. I went into reverse the other day. When I was going into first, um, kind of how much longer do I have with this guy? Yeah, but we do have a friend developing one or was developing one. But hopefully we can have him on the show next week and he can uh, tell us more about what he's got coming up on the sequential side. So, my, my concern about this one is when I watch the movement of the shifter during driving, it doesn't even move hardly. Like he shifts it and it moves like a not even a quarter inch or something or maybe a half inch if it looks like and so i don't know i like with mine it 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 definitely moves i mean it moves in two inches or something and there's a good you know you're definitely yeah. shifting gears <laughs> yeah that would bother me too i'd have to actually watch an in-car cam over and over to see how far the throw actually is and you're right, because he barely touches it and it goes into gear. And you can do that with the Fanatec one as well. Like you could just bump it and it'll go into the next gear without a very far throw at all. So yeah, I want it to be as close to the real thing as you can. So if you really have to, I mean, man, maybe a quicker throw wouldn't be the worst thing because then you're just going to shift gears quicker, obviously. But but yeah, you know, you're right. I like to try to line things up as rural as I can. So I'd like to get that the throw measurement from from the sequentials that guys use in the real world. Now, it doesn't look like this company sells anything else. They're based out of Ohio, but yeah, this is it. Yep, just the three shifters, which is nice, because if you could just focus on one thing, maybe you can make that one thing great. 
talking about great, tell us about the TCL CSOT Gaming Monitor. Yeah, TCL CSAT showcased its brand new high-end 57.1-inch curved gaming display, which features a 240 hertz refresh rate. Um, it's massive. How big is that Odyssey? Uh, I want to say 45. Because I'm this thing be 51. I mean, it says massive in their headline, but this thing is huge. But can you turn it on a vertical plane? This is crazy. Uh... 57 inches curved, 240 uh, hertz. You know, they got it set up, and um, if you scroll down on their webpage, um, in front of a sim chair, and it almost looks like it's wide enough for triples. Yeah. It, it, what is the, I'm trying to see what is the uh, resolution. So it's, it's dual 4K, is what they call it, or 7840 by 2160. So that's as if you had two regular 4K monitors, six by, 16 by 9 next to each other. So it'd be like having nice duels, but they're one monitor, and it's curved. I haven't seen a price on this thing yet, have you? No. Just the announcement. Hmm. So it's got to be, what, $2,300? I believe that was the <laughs> the Odyssey's on-sale price. The regular price was 29 so... Uh, so that's also known as 32 by nine ultra wide. So it's a normal 32 by nine ultra wide, uh, one millisecond fast response rate. And the, uh, maximum minimum thickness is 13.4 inch on the bezel. 13.4 millimeter, I should say. Could you make triples out of it? Well, I don't, I don't think you'd want to do triples with this. You'd want to just, uh, have one probably. Even two, but then the seam is down the middle. That would be weird. But you, like we were talking with the Odyssey is what if you turn them vertical and you had three or five? That would be cool. But who knows if they look good vertically like the Odyssey is. It, they don't advertise that it anything vertical. Okay, tell us about the Pimax Crystal. Yeah, so fellow iRacer in the forums, R. Scott Bell posted... Uh, Primex Crystal First Impressions. And so he writes, I'll read his first uh, paragraph here. As some of you may know, I'm one of the 15 beta testers of the Crystal in the West. Uh, he says, China has a team of 15 as well. I've had the Crystal for about a week and a half, and as 99% of my PC VR gaming is iRacing, I've had some time to put it through the paces. So is this a, a VR headset, Mike? Yeah, and it's one of the good ones, the the Pimax is uh, expensive. All right. He continues on. He and says, a uh, quick note about what I can say. I signed an NDA and agreed that while I can talk about the crystal, any video has to be approved by Pimax. So he has no video to go along with the post. But um, And any negatives have to be brought up to Pimax engineering team. So he's not going to really point out any flaws quite yet because uh, he signed an NDA. And other than that, he's testing it out. See how it goes. Yeah, and I'll read uh, con in conclusion. I think the Crystal will be the Sim Racer's VR headset to beat when it releases. It has a stunning display, passable audio that I expect will get better when it ships to buyers. It's not perfect, and Pimax made some choices that just aren't ideal for simmers, the battery specifically. I think that is the only negative I've run across that can't be addressed by a firmware upgrade, and Pimax is really listening to the beta testers and addressing our concerns. The crystal will have a solid HMD when it ships, or that, I'm sure. 
So right now, I mean, what's the big uh, VR to buy? I mean, the Pimax uh, 4K or 8K, I think. Um, there's the G2, of course, and then the original um, Oculus. You got the Quest, um, the Samsung Odyssey, the Vive, the Vive Pro. There's the Quest Pro now. I'm looking at the website. The design actually looks pretty cool, the headset itself. The Varho Arrow. So there's lots of choices, and this will be the next one out there. Probably what the most expensive, from as far as I can tell. So people use VR headsets now to travel, you know, to go see things without having to go. I wonder if they're going to get so good that you won't mind visiting these places with VR instead of having to take the daunting trips of airplanes and rental cars and the cost to go actually see it, I guess for yourself, that would be the only thing that make a difference is your eyeballs are seeing it. But I don't know. It'd be interesting. All right. Moza handbrake shifter review. Lawrence Dusso. Dusso. We butcher that name every time. Every time. His, every time. Gives his first impression reviews of a $250 H pattern and handbrake combo offering from Moza Sim Racing. Yeah, two fifty. I like this. Yeah, I. I mean, the the shifter is is nice. I mean, when you look at it, the quality, the build, it's a square. It, it's you know chunky. The way it shifts, it looks like it feels like it shifts. You know, it doesn't go into sequential mode. I don't think. No, it doesn't. Yeah, it looks nice. It's um, I mean. I don't want to say similar to Fanatex, but it's it's a little similar. But you know they have their own design to it, and just the shifter alone is one forty nine. So for an extra hundred, you get their um, their handbrake, which actually doesn't look bad at all. Yeah, the handbrake's tall. Uh, it doesn't look like it flexes or anything, but you know, pretty simple design. You just pull on it. Yeah, there are some aesthetics to it. Um, like my Amazon handbrake here is literally just. A handbrake clamped onto some or bolted onto some angle iron, but at least they have uh, some design feature to it. I can keep it in the Moza family. And the price is right. I mean, two fifty for both. I mean, that sounds like a pretty good value. I mean, we go back to the one we were just talking about, the uh, Octane, whatever it was. Yeah, Octane. I mean, if you look at that price, I mean. You know, it's sequential. It's not an H pattern, but it's still a shifter, you know, at $289. But over here on this side with Moza, you get a shifter and a handbrake for $250. I just don't feel the need for an H pattern. I, I got a, the sequential, and I, I feels the need for my main car. And if I drive a car with an H pattern, I'll make do with the sequential. I, just, I mean, it's not a big deal. Yeah, so I thought about that once I make the and get a better quality sequential. Do I keep this Fanatec thing around until it finally dies? At least keep it in H pattern mode. Cause you know, when I'm driving the, the street stock or, or the late model. I still like to pretend a little bit, but um, you're right. At the end of the day, I could just put it in sequential mode and, and use it. But yeah, we're getting limited on what we can actually use the H pattern for. And we bring that up all the time, but but heck, if they uh, make that Gen 4 series and maybe any other NASCAR Legend series will we'll have the H-pattern to rely on. But 
You're right. It gets hard. Can I bolt both? Can I bolt three? Can I bolt a handbrake, an H pattern, and a sequential on here and have it be practical at the same time? Right. That's why I always love that Jinx shifter. It's got all of them in a line. I mean, it's like it's designed to have all of them. So they're all, you know, one right next to it, the other. And if I ever wanted something like that, that's probably what I'd buy is the Jinx. Now, talking about something I bought, somebody in a lobby asked me about my button box. So I dug up the website uh, I purchased it from and put it on the script. It's called ignitioncontrols.com. I think they're out of Poland, actually, and I can't recommend them enough. Um, what a great button box this has been for me. Um, they have several different styles here. They're not cheap by any means. Uh, $275 on the high end, uh, down to maybe 200 on the low end. Um, yeah. yeah, you oh, sent me ahead. these when I was in the market for mine and yeah, these are by far the best looking ones I, I came across. The price isn't, I mean, it's relative to what you want to pay, but the price for me wasn't real bad. I was just able to build these three um, for a lot less than these, but these are um, by far the, I, in my opinion, they're thin. Um, they just look good. They just, they're aesthetically pleasing to the eye when you stare at it. Yeah. That's the thing. It's thin, it's metal. Uh, the buttons are quality buttons. They're not like a cheap Amazon buttons. Yeah, I can yeah. feel the cheap Amazon buttons in my build for sure. And, you know, the guy worked with me too and gave me a, a specialty uh, or a custom box that has blue uh, LEDs in the push buttons uh, to match the blue scheme that I have with the chair and, the, and everything else. And so... Um, yeah, I can't recommend enough ignitioncontrols.com. If you're uh, interested in a button box, you should at least take a look. And the name's cool, too. Yep. How about the Hyper P1 stress test? Yeah, so we were talking about this a little bit earlier. Um, I remember getting my Gomez box in the wheel, or sorry, Gomez box in the mail, opening it up and picking it up for the first time. I, I felt them in, in a driving mode. I never had to lift one up. And I was like, dang, this thing is... It's got some heft to it. If I lean down to pick it up right now, it feels like ah, I could tweak my back a little bit, but it's that's I'm probably over exaggerating a little bit, but it is heavy. It's sturdy. Like I cannot twist that thing whatsoever. So this video by uh, Gomez, they take the hyper P one. Um, that's my opinion, the best looking wheel they have out there and they do a zero flex and uncompromising quality. And they don't, they say, don't try this at home, but they put it through some paces. I saw one video where they chuck it in the air and let it fall into some, asphalt yeah he's up on a ladder and drops it a good eight feet down to the concrete and then later he gets out the the hammer and he literally has taken the hammer to it and he's beating it beating it beating it and like hitting the buttons and then he goes and hooks it to the rig turns it on everything still works yeah it's it's when you hold it in your hand it's pretty damn impressive and i don't have the hyper p1 obviously but uh, it just feels like quality when you have it in your hands, but I won't try it at home. I'm not going to drop it off my roof or hit it with the hammer. Cause I will break mine somehow, some way mine will break. Yeah. So any, uh, second thoughts, Donnie, um, about that new economy version wheel that they came out with shortly right after you bought yours. 
No, because it wasn't that much less than mine than the one I bought. So I was happy with my. I paid the eight fifty. I have the all black. It's the the GT wheel without the screen. Um, and I think that was my out the door price because I bought it through ASR in Canada, and they give you free shipping and no tax. So there's our there. Are, it was actually more expensive to go through Gomez than it was to buy from an international neighbor, at least. But yeah, no second thoughts. I wouldn't buy the their their quote entry level wheel they came out with a couple weeks ago compared to this one. I don't know. I'd like to see them do that to the entry wheel and see what it what the difference is. All right. I've never seen someone do a you know that kind of test on a wheel before, but it's cool. It passed. Yeah, you won't do that on Next a Logitech up, wheel. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't do that to my wheel, no. Um, all right, next up, I think uh, our teammate Bobby sent this one in. Uh, admin box with two X's dot com. And admin box is built by iRacers for iRacers in league and hosted races. The goal to make control as easy as possible as an administrator. And basically, it's a custom button box that has labels on it that are specific for admin control type situation. Yeah, honestly, it seems like a no-brainer. Um, I mean, obviously, you can probably do this yourself, but to have it already done and then you just map those boxes that specific or those buttons that specific uh, task it has. Um, I've never, ever dabbled in a hosted race, like a hosting a race or doing anything administratively on the, the iRacing side. It's something that interests me maybe in the future, maybe in a retired life, I could actually take some time and maybe put a lead together, who knows. But uh, yeah, something like this just seems like you know, like, like I said earlier, no brainer if you're going to run a league or be doing any kind of race control. It's about the size of a keyboard, but smaller. Maybe it doesn't have as many buttons as a regular keyboard, but it does have the regular number pad in the middle and then other buttons to the left and right of it with custom uh, control on them. For example, you would hit black flag and then type in the car number black flag 25. So you could do that with three button pushes. You hit the black flag button, you hit two, five, and it does it. And so that's why it has the number pad, and then it's got all the, the black flag or clear black flag or send to the end of the line or you know all these other penalties and different things you can do, wave around and that kind of thing. Pretty neat, $149. Um, it, the, the buttons look you know they stick out far they're square the orange color and the base is kind of an acrylic uh, sandwich almost looks pretty presentable pretty neat admin box with two x's all right lawrence is back donnie yeah so it's it's weird to say that he's back because he never really left if you're a part of his discord so if you owned his product he was always there always helping you out but there was a reason he had to step back for a while and uh, hopefully we get him to come on next week and, um, you know, basically fill us in for the last four months. But he's back. He's posting his YouTube videos. He's all over Twitter. Uh, I think I saw him on, on Instagram, but his Discord is um, is better than ever. He's trying to get a – he's in the beginning process of coming up with a league that he wants to start. Um, but, yeah, this video just showcases his new uh, location within uh, Las Vegas. It's north of the new Raider Stadium and south of the Rio, west of the, the freeway there off the strip. But um, it showcases his, um, his lobby, which is 
leaps and bounds better than his previous lobby. Hope that didn't hurt his feelings. But this one is this one is um, night and day better. And the shop is is reasonable in the back for what they do. But um, but yeah, no, it's good to see it. It's good to see him back. He's excited. Um, yeah, I want to hear what he has to say next week potentially. Yeah, indeed to see uh, the him back on social media to see that he's got a storefront again, you know, where people can, and he literally says demo his product. Like we talked about this a couple of weeks ago that there's no way to demo product in sim racing. Well, Lawrence, if you, if you hook up with him and you show up at his shop, he might let you demo uh, some stuff there in his front room. Uh, but he's got a few rigs set up. He kind of shows what he's got. Um, he shows, you know, around the property kind of thing. And Hey, I'm really glad to see it's working out for him. Yeah. And when you, when you meet him in person, so if anybody's in the area and they want to stop by, like he will let you sit on those rigs and drive them. Um, he's got a Gomez wheel sitting up front there. I, he might put that away from time to time, but he's, um, very personable. He loves this industry. He loves this hobby and this is what he wants to do going forward. So yeah, he's willing to take anybody off the street, come sit in the rig, get, get into it in some kind of way. Um, so it's cool to see this. Um, I believe in his previous lobby, he just had the one setup going and now he's got six that I can see from this video. He's got the three along that front wall, then another three, and he's going to build a formula style cockpit as well. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, product wise, you know, his website is open again. Uh, you can get the P one X, uh, pedals, I believe they're called, uh, still, um, I don't know if those those monitor mounts are on sale, but you guys were were showing off pictures this week about those. Yeah, so the monitor mounts, I, I I drove to Vegas to pick them up, and I know a couple of the guys in the Discord have them, but he never released them, and he was on the verge of releasing them at the end of the year, um, right prior to him going away. So he had a whole two shelves of of hardware ready to go for these things. Um, so he wants to put them out. He wants to release them to get people to to buy them. But he'll, I'm I'm sure that'll come soon. But, but yeah, monitor mounts are awesome. Um, he has the stuff. He's just he's just waiting. I will point out in the video, he did say the reason for his absence was due to uh, is he bought out his business partner. Apparently, there was a business partnership. They didn't see eye to eye, is what he was saying. Uh, Lawrence wanted to take the company in a certain direction, and so. He bought out interest uh, of the other guy and uh, reestablished himself. And now it's got a really good location right off the strip where, you know, he might be able to even open up, uh, you know, people coming in and renting uh, cockpits or who knows what he wants to get involved with. But he's got the location for it. Yeah. You know what? His last location wasn't terrible. It was off by the the speedway. It was on, I don't know if it's called Speedway Boulevard out in Vegas, but it's that, that strip that takes you to the speedway. This for me is better because it's actually half an hour closer to my house than driving all the way through Vegas and then get to the North end of town. So he's, he'll be in the middle of, of the heart of Vegas. So he'll be closer for people just to meander in. Nobody's walking by his shop where he was before. So here he'll at least get foot traffic. Let's jump to NASCAR iRacing series results and finish up last week i will start off with i can't believe it p1 can't believe i won for the second time this this year but i did it i went into the week telling my team i think i got a top five in me but i did never said i think i have a win but 
but I got it done Friday, P1. I actually qualified poorly, was able to drive up to the top five and uh, pitted under green eventually. And then the caution, of course, came out. I was a lap down, I restarted P24. From there, worked my way clear to the lead and led the last run, actually. And during that run, I was pulling away from the field, gapping them as we came to the end of the race. So as the laps came, you know, ran down, I was calling out to the guys, my my gap, I don't remember how much it was, but it was growing um, every time. And so just keep the focus up and uh, was able to bring it home. Um, I earned that one. I was fast on a long run. I came up from the back. Man, I earned it. Uh, I really felt good about it. That's win number 93 on the career. And I'm getting closer to that 100 mark. I hope to hit it soon. Yeah, that's awesome. I forgot that that was last week when you said you won. I'm like, oh yeah, that was last week. That was Dover. That was a good run, Mike. Hell yeah. Felt good. Uh, Tony Rochette forgot to take tires on the last run. I mean, how do you do that? Uh, come on, Tony. Is that an excuse? I guess it is. How about Justin P19? Qualified 17, took a lot of damage in the beginning. Put me a lap down, stayed a lap down until the end. I just needed a caution. At the end, I was a candidate for the lucky dog. Glad to see a teammate win. And then David Hall, P19. Screwed by someone spinning their tires with a top five car. Mackenzie Stevens, P5. Great run for him. How about Saturday fixed? Justin ran P2. Qualified 10th. I was on the wrong end of a green flag pit stop. Caution came out. Went a lap down. Fought for the lucky dog and got it. 30 laps to go. Started on the tail end of the line. Drove her all the way up to second. Got within the leader. 0.5 seconds. Five laps to go. And just ran out of tire. I could taste that one. Okay. Sunday open. Donnie, P8. Yeah, we had a good car uh, this week, I believe. It, it was a great long run car. Unfortunately, it was a short run race. I was able to finish P8. I believe Tony was in the race with me. I can't remember, uh, but it was good. I mean, I, we were able to pass on the high line, the low line, where we wanted. Um, it just didn't, it wasn't a quick, it wasn't, it didn't fire off for me that well. At the end, I did uh, pump up the tires three, three pounds each we had a 10 lap uh, shootout so i was able to snag it only one spot but i guess it didn't really matter that much on the tires and looks like david was in top split on sunday finishing p16 right sunday fixed i had an early caution but after that i ran from 18th all the way up to second in 44 laps on a pit stop i had unsafe pit entrance and went uh laps down now what happened was i was hesitant on if I was going to pit or not and I decided last minute to pit and I did I ran over where the cone would be there's no cone it's like an orange box painted on the ground and I ran over the top of that and that's what gave me the penalty anyway um, around halfway I got dumped by a guy dive bombing four minutes damage I stayed in the race got one lucky dog ended up finishing p13 Justin ran with me. He got P32. He started 27th. He was in the top 10 by halfway to go. And simple as this, I got hooked down the straight, junked my car. I was disappointed. All right, let's move on to Wednesday, Kansas. Wednesday Open. I got a P18. Finally made a good call. Uh, <laughs> 
I had, had I had pretty good track position around seventh, but I got doored by a guy and got meatballed, went to the back, uh, got back to 25th, was able to recover a little bit to P18. But uh, I had a good run going before I got the meatball. David said P14, long greens early. Cautions, then during cycles, forced wave around and bad track position. Though quickly got back on even tires, then the late caution fest began. I did not survive one of them, but enough others didn't either that dragged it home 14th. Tyler pinballed, finished 25th, had a top five, five car easily. Now in the chat, Tyler put up five or six videos in a row. He literally put up every time he got taken out or pinballed. It looked wild. I mean, pinball is a good way to describe it. Uh, Justin ran, I don't forget where he finished. Uh, today, Thursday open, about four or five laps in, I lost internet. It was right during a restart. I got disconnected from the server. I was probably down 60 seconds after the server put me out. Uh, loaded back in, I was five laps down. Actually, six laps down. Um, they were green the entire time I was gone was able to race my way past the leaders to get one of those back and then a caution came and I got a wave so I was back to four laps down but after that wave I never got a caution it stayed green so I ended up back five laps down and that's where I stayed uh, for the race uh, p26 man I'm really second guessing moving to Verizon home internet 5g home internet this is the second time I've been disconnected since I've done it and man i mean i'm saving 75 dollars a month is on my bill but man I, I you know is it worth me paying 75 a month to not di get disconnected from my races it might be yeah i don't know i think one internet issue and i'd be i'd be gone off to the next one or back to the original yeah if it that's the thing i'm I, i'm not to the point where i'm ready to make a change yet but it won't be long now if it keeps happening. Uh, you know, it happens at work too. I, I get disconnected at work, but it's, I don't care, it's work. You know, I, I'll, I'll call the customer back, no big deal. But man, in the middle of a race and then I can't get my laps back, that's what sucks. Especially if we're so limited on what, what starts we can make. Like I've already scheduled out next week on what I can do. And man, my time, I don't say it's precious, but when I'm on the rig, I have to have it go right and if issues start happening then it just sets me back even more well that's why i'm afraid to take the thing apart too i, I don't want to be in a position where i can't race i'm only racing open three times a week um and i just want to make sure i get good points every week so all right let's talk other racing i ran the usf 2000 at watkins Glen. i actually didn't run it i ghosted it which is one of the best ideas i had because Sometimes I just jump into these races. I'm like, oh, I know Watkins Glen, no problem. But then these guys are a second faster than me, you know? So it was smart for me to ghost because I went in as a ghost and I ran a few laps and yeah, I went off track and I, it wouldn't have went well, obviously. So uh, that was a smart decision. Then I ran pickup cup at Daytona, wrecked out. Delara Dash at Phoenix, I had won it. P1, led every lap. And I got some massive donuts at the end. What a freaking great car this is. At that track, what a combination. At New Phoenix, 
with the uh, IRO one. Um, what a shame that this series is not populated. I, it just blows my mind. How many, how many entries in your races usually? Well, I think this one might have been 18 or something, but it was only one split, and it was probably prime time to get that many people. But if you do it off hours, it, there'll be nobody, or there'll be three or four or five. All right, and then I ran Gen 4 at Old Atlanta, top split. Wow. Heavy hitters in there, too. Uh, coming to the initial green, <laughs> some guy is warming his tires and spins out which causes me to get rear-ended. Uh, and I my, my rear end went up into the air. The green came out, they piled up, uh, put all but eight of us a lap down. So the entire field had to take a wave around. Uh, stayed green after that, uh, pitting around the halfway point. Um, and uh, then a caution came, ended up coming out after that. I ended up staying out, saving the last set for the next caution, but it never came and I faded back to finish 12. So basically, a bunch of them went in to get tires. I decided, oh, I only got 10 on these. I'm gonna wait for the next caution and get my tires, but the next caution never came. So I had good track position, but was, wasn't able to capitalize. Then I ran Tuesday night, the sprint car at Milwaukee, 26 cars. Started in the back, uh, ended up P17. That's probably what I deserved. Um, it's tough. I mean, that track is really hard at that car because of the long straights. Every time I, I drive this car, I feel like I'm driving a, a fighter jet, like an F-16. There is so much power. You just, you push down that throttle and that the thing just goes. And if you don't hold it just right, you're, you're, you're wrecked. You're spun, you're flipping, you're upside down. It's, it's like so dangerous. All right, how about your Gen 4? Yeah, my Gen 4 started similar to yours. We uh, They were wrecking before the green flag and something happened as well. People were complaining about it, but all of us, I think eight to 10 of us uh, were able to bypass it and the rest of the field got put a lap down. Um, and they, they got some wave rounds later in the race, but uh, not that much, but the, the car was good. I felt good in it. Um, you just had to be careful obviously using the, the power, but I ended up finishing P5 in that. I ran a bunch of modified races at Southern National. Uh, that was a lot of fun. The first race wasn't the best because I don't know what the hell I was doing in that car. And you're offset a little bit, so coming off a corner. So I ended up wrecking myself the very first race. But in that, I had a, a good string of finishes. Um, all top threes, actually. So I actually gained some eye rating running that, which I didn't think I would. And then ran a couple of the late model or late model stocks at Martinsville. And it was just so nice to drive Martinsville and actually race at Martinsville, not just pace around. Um, that's a D-class race. So we didn't have any cautions anyway, but I mean, I never got hit. I never hit anybody. I never saw a car spin around. It was just racing at Martinsville. Um, and that car, like you can't, you can't wreck it, I'll say. And at Martinsville, there's no power. So when you come off the corner, you're not even spinning the tires. Um, but it was a lot of fun. That track, Southern National, I love that track. And the trick to that is you can't get too low. Uh, if you get too low, it, the, there's no banking down there and it'll upset the car. But I just love the, the, the tall banking short track. Boy, that thing's a blast. Yeah, you know what? I've, I've won at this track in, I think, three different cars. But uh, the USF car is the same thing. I, I love it there as well. Uh, but yeah, you, Southern National is awesome. All right, let's jump to final thoughts. What do you got? 
Uh, not much. I'm just uh, ran a bunch of short track racing this week. Um, Kansas is kind of kicking my ass. Um, I ran an A open last night and I felt okay with it. So we'll see how uh, NIS goes tomorrow night. I'm going to probably run an A open tonight, but I got to get that set down. But uh, other than that, it's been a decent week. I'm back to work. So we'll see how next week goes in the future. But I'm just glad I was able to make it today. Yeah, we were a little short on people today, but uh, hey, we still got a show and we did it. Thanks for hanging in there. Uh, my final thoughts, uh, man, I'm hyper-focused on winning and points. Uh, I want to stack up the wins. I want to get to 100 by the end of the year if I can. Uh, I want to uh, win the championship and the points. I've never really... Uh, you know, I've run for points, but I've never been in the mix. And so now that I'm in the mix, I want to make sure I get good points. And the other thing, super frustrated that I suck at putting stuff together. I can't believe how, it, you know, incompetent I actually am that I can't put a rig together, you know, in a correct way that's, that's aligned correctly and it's measured right and all that. Uh, and I've, I've had multiple instances that prove that I am not good at it um, and so that's real frustrating because I spend so much money on it and and so I know it can be fixed but the question is timing so uh, do I want to do it in the middle of the season or not we'll have to wait and find out and with that hey we'll see you on the track later for listening to the Odd Racers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.